0: Physicians are acutely aware of the element of uncertainty in medicine, but they often don't recognize just how powerful the possibility of regret can be for patients who face decisions about their own care. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Pamela Hartsband, an endocrinologist, and Jerome Groupman, an oncologist, both of whom practice at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center and are professors of medicine at Harvard Medical School. Dr. Harsman and Dr. Groupman have written a perspective article about how the possibility of regret can affect patients. Dr. Harsman, Dr. Groupman, why do you think physicians often don't recognize or seriously consider the element of regret and how it might affect a patient's decision-making?
1: I think it's in part because we're not trained to think about regret. Primarily the discussion in both our experience in medical school, residency, and then as attending physicians, focused on physician regret, expressing contrition and apology in the context of malpractice. But the issue of patient regret has not been explored deeply in our training, and therefore we tend to neglect it.
2: I think also physicians are not always aware that their patients have regret about a decision that they made. They don't always share it, or there may not be time in a brief interaction to explore that.
0: One type of regret you describe in your article is role regret, which can result when another person heavily influences a patient's choice of treatment. How can physicians ensure that patients are the primary decision makers when it comes to their own care?
2: Well, I think the physician needs to be aware of the possibility of role regret. And once they are, if the patient is stepping back and playing a passive role in their care, the physician will be alert to that and to try and intervene and make sure that the patient is included in the decision in an important way is really taking the lead role.
1: I also think that, again, as Pam said, with the time factor, it's important to ask the patient, how did you come to this decision? And often the patient could give a clue with respect to role regret, which is that someone in the family or a friend pushed them in a way to make this choice, and then you can pick up on either verbal or facial cues that they really didn't want to get there on their own.
2: I think another clue is when the patient suddenly changes their decision that's really a time when you might suspect that somebody else was influencing the decision.
0: In another area, you write that bad outcomes that result from recent action tend to be more regretted than bad outcomes that result from inertia. What meaning do you take from that as a physician? Do you discourage patients from undergoing procedures where the outcome is uncertain? How do you draw that line?
1: I think part of it is what the psychologist George Lowenstein calls hot and cold decision-making. You want to make sure that if the patient is actively pursuing a treatment, that it's not in a so-called hot state where he or she is in pain or acutely anxious and therefore not sort of in a calm and sober mindset. So it's a balance. I myself, having had terrible back pain as a young runner, impulsively in a hot state, opted for surgery. And I actually shopped until I found a surgeon who would do the spinal fusion, and it was a catastrophe. And I've spent a lot of my life regretting that kind of decision. So I think, on the other hand, there are patients who anticipate regret, to such a degree that it inhibits them from making a choice and they become paralyzed with decisional conflict so the physician should be alert to both of those states
0: you write about omission bias in fact that tendency toward inaction and say that it reflects anticipated regret that the patient assumes that he or she will be sorry and that results in people avoiding things like a flu vaccine can practitioners use that knowledge to develop strategies for increasing say uptake of flu vaccine rates? What kind of preventive service action can be taken knowing that omission bias exists?
2: I think explaining this to the patient, making it clear that when they're anticipating regret that they may be putting too much emphasis on possible complications and not thinking about the benefits, not doing an appropriate balancing of risks and benefits, I think that can be very helpful.
1: At times, they'll come up with an anecdote about a friend or a family member who had terrible fever or muscle aches after a flu shot and so on, which is really at the far end of the spectrum. And again, this pushes them to omission bias. So by asking and probing why they don't want the flu shot, as Pam said, you can put into a clearer and more evidence-based perspective what the risks and benefits really are.
0: You spoke earlier about the hot emotional state, and that's tied to commission bias, the tendency to believe that taking an action is better than sitting still. How can physicians handle situations where a decision must be made, but the patient is in that kind of hot emotional state?
2: Clearly, there are situations where you can't wait, an emergency situation where the patient must go to surgery urgently, for example, or even undergo For example, some kind of chemotherapy treatment very urgently for a rapidly growing cancer, and there really isn't time to have a calm, deliberative process. But I think that in that case, the the doctor has to take it upon themselves to really do the balancing of risk and benefits very strongly for the patient and try and give them as much process as there can be under those circumstances, keeping in mind that there is a higher risk of regret under those circumstances.
0: How do you talk to your patients about this possibility of regret? What types of conversations are helpful?
2: I think first
1: is to assess where the patient is, as in popular jargon, coming from. If the patient seems to be very reluctant and sort of caught in what's called decisional conflict, can't make a choice. That is often a red flag, that there is regret looming in the patient's mind. And you open the conversation and say, what are you thinking about? Are you anticipating that you might regret having this procedure or having this vaccine and so on? And just put it right out there. And this regret is an enormous burden for people. Or that's anticipated regret. On the flip side is experienced regret, so that you might say, in the past, have you made a medical choice that led you to severely regret that decision, and that's what's holding you back?
2: I don't think we typically lead with regret in a conversation with the patient, but if we're getting to a situation where the patient either won't proceed with a treatment that you feel is clearly indicated or very important or they're charging ahead with a course of action that you feel is not advisable. As you explore that more, either anticipated or experienced regret naturally comes up as a motivator for why they're making those decisions.
0: Finally, you said at the outset that in neither of your training periods was there any discussion of the subject of patient regret, and it's still largely absent from medical education. So how should trainees be introduced to this whole issue?
1: It's important first to see what the psychological literature, much of which we review in the perspective, can inform thinking about regret in medicine and then to develop in the curriculum both for medical students and then also for house staff and potentially for practicing physicians as part of CME is to look at these categories of regret that we've talked about today. Role regret, where a patient later regrets the choice because he or she felt coerced and pushed into it by a third party. Or process regret, where the individual didn't think of all the possible treatment options, particularly in hot and cold and then omission and commission bias. And I think those are fundamental underpinnings of regret in medicine.
2: One of the interesting things is that the literature on this often does not distinguish between disappointment and regret. And the important difference is that regret has an element of self-blame in it which is why it can become such a burden. Obviously, you're disappointed when things don't go your way, but regret entails this element of self-blame that is truly painful. And the instruments that have been used to try and measure this and do studies on this have not captured the complexity of that particular distinguishing characteristic of regret.
0: Thank you Dr. Groopman, thank you Dr. Hartzman.